You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the one that ministers life. You are the one that loves us. You loved us enough to adopt us, Lord God, into your kingdom. And I just pray for your love to shine through into the, in this congregation today. And I pray for your love to shine through Kathy as she um, brings forth the word, Lord God. I pray that you ignite that word into our hearts and into our ears, Lord God, that it would stay with us throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, Lord God, and, and that, that nuggets of that, whatever she has for us, will stay with us for a lifetime, that we would put it into effect in our lives, Lord God, that it would, we would not be hearers of the word only, but that we would be doers of the word too. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. I like to hear, I like to hear good stuff like that, huh? Praise the Lord! Woohoo! Hallelujah! Is she asleep? Is she asleep? Well, show her off so everybody can see her. Look at that beautiful little Missy there. Oh, she's gorgeous. And we have waited so long to see her. We don't want to wake her up, Mommy. We are so blessed to see you guys today. You made our day. You made God's day. Talking about the love of God. We're glad you guys made it. We're so happy. Lonnie, go get that gift right now. (coughs) Yes, this is our little Lauren. Yes, I got a little gift from Miss Lauren. From Miss Lauren. Praise the Lord. Well, you're here for a treat today. God's been pouring out his love in, in the house of God today. And you're not going to leave here not feeling saturated with it. And his love perfects us. So you're going to be perfected today and the rest of this week and the rest of your life. Amen? His love perfects us. It makes us perfect. And so, Sean, if you would show that picture that Pastor Lonnie showed last week. Um, I would just like to share with you. I hope you guys can see it. Up at the very top... Uh, if you can't articulate it quite uh, well, is represents the city, the heavenly, the third heavens. There's three heavens. Some of you may not know it, but there's three. God talks about the heavens, plural. And the one that they're looking at and stand, this is the first heaven. This is the heavens that are near earth. This is the simplest way to explain it. And uh, I don't want to complicate God's word because his love isn't complicated. Come on. And then we get in the center, and we get into the second heaven realm, and in there is a place that the enemy has access in the second heavens. He likes to come and accuse us there. He likes to set up schemes and evil things against us there, okay, that he can perpetrate on us in the first heaven, okay? He comes up with evil schemes in the second heavens and on earth to try to stop you from overcoming or fulfilling your destiny, And then we get up to the top, and if you could see it really clearly, maybe we'll have Pastor print a few of these out just for us. We can stick in our Bible for a while. It represents the heavenly city. He's been talking about the heavenly city of God. And, you know, some of the saints that have gone before us, actually the book of Revelation, John was taken to the heavenly city. He, He was a seer, and he got to see it. And some of us have traveled to some of these heavens and actually been able to see them. Now, Jesus told us about stuff that was going on. Daniel, Daniel the prophet, was a true man of God. You can read about him in the Old Testament books. It's an amazing story from his childhood on how he served God, even when he was taken into captivity, even when he could have had his pity parties every single day because of what he seemed to have lost. He didn't he realized the love of God went with him. It was pursuing him. No matter where he was at, the love of God was pursuing him. And David spent time in that intimacy that Barbara told us about this morning, that time to spend with him, and God revealed visions. In fact, he gave Daniel visions of not only what was going on in their day, but visions of what would come and be happening in our times. And he saw these things in the spirit realm in this heavenly 
city realm of the high third heaven. So we call first, second, and the third heaven. So now if you hear me say about the third heaven, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the heavenly city, right? So I want you to know what we're going to study today. Because God wants to lay this foundation in you. Why? Because he wants you operating not just in this realm. He wants you to execute what he's got going on in that third heaven realm. When the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? And he said, well, this is how. This is it. Our Father, pray it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And then we'll just add it because I love it. For thine is the kingdom and thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen? So now, in that prayer you just prayed, you prayed just the way Jesus taught you to, and he wants us to take on earth, bring what is in heaven to earth. So we need to know that we have access. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the elders or the deacons. It's not just for the people we read about in the Bible. It's for everybody. There's no qualifying after you've qualified by receiving Christ and becoming a child of God. Every child has access. Amen? So we're going to read about, we're going to read the word of God today about some of these places. Now, we see this picture, and we're going to be talking about books in heaven. Pastor's been laying a foundation about books in heaven. There's stuff in heaven that's very much like here. There's storehouses in heaven. God talks about the storehouses of heaven. Um, John told us that the streets are paved with gold. We use asphalt here, but in heaven it's gold. That's, that's how much there is that they just pave the streets with it. Come on. Come on. Things are different there. Things that are valuable are different there. Things that we value here are like they pave, they pave the streets with it. Come on. Come on. Right? Think about it. I'm worried about how much the asphalt's going to cost out here next year because we have to get that parking lot done, guys. And God's like, no problem. I'm, I'm just paving our streets up here with gold. Amen? So let's read in Daniel. Let's see what God showed Daniel when Daniel was given access to the third heaven. And I'm reading for the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. We're talking about the courts of heaven. There's vast courts. There's a whole legal system going on up in heaven. There's so much going on up there. And Daniel said, and I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. If you don't know who the Ancient of Days is, that's God Almighty. Come on. Creator of the universe. He's been here before. He, he, he was. He is. He was in the beginning, and he took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands. Upon thousands were attending him, and myriads and myriads of angels were there, and they were standing before him, and the court sat. God comes in like the judge of the universe. He is God. And they all came in, they found their seats, and then they were standing up, and the angels and everybody, all this worship going on, the ancient of days, and the court sat. Now, you know, when you go into a courtroom, things get quiet at that point. And the next and the last verse that I'm going to tell you about is, and it says, 
and the books were opened. The books were opened. I'm telling you, there are vast libraries in heaven. There are so many libraries. There's, you know, just like the categories you have in your, in your local library, there's books on everything. Did you know there's a whole section that's called the overcomer section? The ecclesia section. The bride section. Did you know that? Did you know that there's books written on the overcomers? The Bible says there's a group of people called the overcomers. Let me tell you, that reading material is heavy duty. It's not for the faint of heart. Because if you are in, if your book written about you is in the overcomer section, I'm telling you, that book that God's writing about you isn't for the faint of heart. You will have things to overcome. You will have great tasks, the impossible that stands before you. But that's an awesome section to hang out. And we can read about overcomers in the Word of God to find out how they overcome. We might be facing some things that they faced, and we can learn from their experiences and how they handled it and how they walked with God, how to overcome. Let's go to, so we've got this picture. I want to make sure it's big, thousands and thousands and thousands. What's a big picture of thousands and thousands? We, we sometimes see on TV the Washington Mall when they've got some big thing going on, right? And the streets are over. Uh, we see New York City on New Year's Eve. But I'm telling you, this is like, this is like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years in our time. Thousands. The masses of humanity that have gone on before us. And the myriads legions of angels and the elders and all the angelic beings and the seraphim and the cherubim. Everybody's there in the court and God sits down and the books are opened. This is a, the biggest picture you can imagine. We can't imagine it. That's how big it is, okay? But just giving you a little bit to help you out. Let's go to uh, Psalms 139. Father, I thank you. I am so thankful that I can stand here and bring your word today because I, I haven't been able to bring the word in a while, and I am so grateful. And Thank you for your breath. In Psalm 139, starting with verse 13, I'm going to read to you what God's word says about your book. Your book. 139. Verse 13 through 16, David, King David, the psalmist, is telling us. He's talking to God. And did you know, these aren't just his words. I want you to get this. I know some of you are new to the word and, and you don't maybe read it, but I want you to tell you that the, God says that every word that these men or women wrote for us in this Bible is the inspired word of God. It's not just mere men writing it. I see that stuff on the Internet. Oh, you don't have to listen to that. They're just mere men. They were giving you their opinions. No. 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 The word of God says every jot and tittle, every apostrophe, Everything we've added, you know, to make it clarity as we've translated it into the languages of the world is to be the absolute inspired word of God himself going and living through men, through men, to write what he wanted executed. And now we have it to touch our hearts and to reveal what God, what is going on in this heaven and the middle heaven and the, and the third heaven. He says, for thou didst form my inward parts. He's talking to God, his friend. We heard that earlier today. He wants, he's talking to him just like his friend. 
You did weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Wonderful. And my soul knows it very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in the book, in your book, they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. This is talking about David. When the spirit of life, the word says that the spirit gives life. And so when he was conceived in his mother's womb, the spirit of God and life began to grow in her womb. And God had this book written about him and all the things that we accomplished. What did he start out as? Just a little shepherd boy. Just a little guy that took care of the sheep. He had older brothers. They were the mighty ones. They were the soldiers. They were the warriors. They were strong. David, go out there and tend the sheep. We've got better things to do. We're going down here. We're facing Goliath today. Just keep out there in the field with the sheep. Just go do that. Make yourself useful. We've got to eat around here. Come on. That's how it began. And then came the chapters. Then came the chapters where God was looking for a king. Come on. God was looking for someone with some kind of heart, a heart after his He wasn't looking on the front line of battle with the mightiest warrior, with the biggest armor that had the biggest spear that was yelling the loudest at Goliath and how they were going to take him down. God's eye is on the sparrow. God's eye is on you. And God knows everything he has written about you. And in David's life, it was about to come to pass. David saying this, David wrote these words years later. He was having that intimate time with God and realizing God had been with him before he ever left his mother's womb and his destiny was written about the books in heaven. I tell you, he had to have seen the great libraries there. He'd been taken there. He couldn't have written this without having seen it. Amen? There is a book about you in heaven. I'm loving that. I want to tell you, you're in my job is to find out what's written in that book. We've got to find out what, it, what did God write in the book about my life. What is he saying? How do we do that? Well, first we make him Lord and Savior of our life, and then we start talking to him. We start talking to him. He's pouring out love on you today. He doesn't want you to feel anything that you may have come in here with. I love the sound of new life. Oh, great joy we have. The sound of babies in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What an adorable, precious cry. So it's our job to find out what's written. That's why we talk to God. That's why we talk to him all the time. We ask him. He will answer you. He will talk with you. Prayer time isn't just about telling him what you need. Start with, what's up? What's up? What chapter am I on? I had a rough life. You might have been, you know, old when you found Jesus Christ. You, You might be through what you think are many chapters of your previous life. But when you're born again, that activates. He lays hold of the book that's written about you. And he starts to do the impossible. And he says, first of all, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Come and walk with me and watch me do exponential miracles to make you hit your destiny. Now, the next thing we learn, (coughs) we have an adversary. 
Bible tells us we've got an adversary. We've got an enemy. When he lived, when Satan lived in the heavenly third heaven, before he rebelled against God, he had a different name. His name was Lucifer. That's what he was called there. Lucifer. But when he was cast out of heaven because of his rebellion, and a third of the angels went with him, he was cast down to the earth. And we now call him Satan. Now you know why the two names. Okay? The two names. And we call him the devil. And he's called a few other names. Other names we can think of to call him. But that are recorded in the Bible. But you get who I'm talking about. That's who the adversary is. What is his plan? What's the thing he's got to execute against you? Look, Satan, as Lucifer, was in the heavens. These books were written before you were ever born. Kids. He had access. He was, he was the anointed cherub. He, he led worship in heaven before he went bad. He knows God has a plan. He knows God has a plan for you. So what's his plan? Is to make sure that God's plan for you never gets off the ground. And if it does, he's here to um, get you in stuck in snow. He's, he's here to hinder you. He's here to keep you from getting where you need to be at any given moment in time. That's his job. He's here to win. He doesn't know he already lost. He thinks he can still win. But our job is to enter in with God, and God has a plan. God has a plan. He is going to come after you no matter what happens, no matter what attack. (coughs) Satan just goes up there and accuses you all the time. And unfortunately, we do stuff that he can accuse us about, right? Uh, We sin. There could be iniquity. There could be transgressions. But that's what repentance is about. That's what going back and saying, yes, I did. Okay, so the enemy's accusing me. Just, yes, I did that. Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. Help me get back to the book. Help me get back to the chapter. Where are we? Where are we in these mighty exploits? Are we in mighty exploits chapter? Because... There's chapters like that written about you, the mighty exploits of the Lord. God, the enemy may accuse us day and night is what the word says. He's here to distract you, lead you astray, or to make you wander. But God has a plan for you, and you will defeat the enemy. So let's go to the book of Hebrews. I know we got a lot of word. Are you loving the word of God today? I'm loving the word of God today. I'm excited about the Word of God today. Now, again, we're going to be reading here in Hebrews, and we're in chapter 12, and we're starting with verse uh, probably 22. But I want to tell you, this is Paul talking, the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about a place he had to see. He read about maybe some of this in the Word. Jesus, who knows? They're all talking about this, but this is what he tells us that he saw in heaven. Again, he's talking about the heavenly city of God. He's talking about the third heaven. And he says in verse 22, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. Does that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound kind of like what we read about? In Daniel, we're we're talking the throne room setting, guys. And he says, to the general assembly. I mean, that's what we're talking about, those thousands and thousands that we read about earlier in Daniel. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. There's a book of enrollment. Our school has books of enrollment. We have a list of names for everybody that's enrolled there. And there's an enrollment in the city of heaven, in the libraries of heaven. You're on the enrollment book if you've received him as your Savior. And to God, 
the judge of all. Now, Barbara told us God, we know God is love. He is our friend. He is our father. But there's another role he plays, and he is judge of all. He's the bottom line. He is the last word. It begins and ends with him. He's judge of all. And in this setting that we're talking about here, here he is. He's describing him as the judge of all. And to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, that's people that have died, that were in Christ, that are living in heaven right now. The church of Christ is a big place. It covers the third heaven all the way down here to earth. We're here on earth alive, but those who have gone on before us, they are just as alive because Jesus paid the penalty and took away death. They're alive in heaven. It's telling us that. And to Jesus, now we get a picture. Jesus is there too. So we get all this going on, and we've got Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. He's your mediator. He's the one that goes in when the enemy accuses you day and night for the stuff you do and did. He never gives up on the past. You have to, you have to let him know, that's, that's not me anymore. Jesus is right there to mediate before the judge in the courts where these accusations are being made and the enemy is making an accusation against you and you now are the defendant. Jesus is there. He says, here I am, Father. Here here I am. Here's the blood. Here's the blood that I shed for that one. Come on. Come on. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. In the Old Testament... On the Day of Atonement, they would slaughter a goat. and They would take that blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And all the sins of Israel, that nation, it was, uh, the Lord has been revealing to me, it's more, it was an atonement for a nation of people. It was personal, but it was also national. Uh, it's a newer revelation, fuller revelation than I've had before. And... The Lord showed me, because I always wondered why it was a goat. But in the end, at the last times of judgment, God will be judging the nations. And he said some will be sheep nations, and some will be goat nations. And how in his awesome mind, all the other, Jesus is our Passover lamb, he is the lamb of God, it is the blood of the lamb that forgives us and cleanses us and washes us white as snow. But here in the middle of his word, in his law, he uses a goat. And that's the blood. He was thinking about the nations. The nations to come. The nations. And he wanted all of them to worship him. And it's a type of Christ. We all know that. And then when Jesus comes with the other coat, that blood covered our sins. Now, When Jesus returns, he will take the type of the second ghost that was taken out. It was to take the sins away. Jesus will come back. He will no longer be covering our sin. He will be coming back as that sacrifice to remove sin from the earth. Amen? Is that good news? I'm like, how will that feel to breathe? I'm going to be loving that. Loving, loving, loving. I'm departing from my notes here. Okay. So the bottom line here is salvation plan. So this is God's salvation plan for you. This is the, this is the tricky part. This is where I can't really help you. I can't do this for you. I can pray for you. But it's totally up to you. It's totally your decision to receive Christ as your personal Savior. And when you do, and when you confess that he's the son of the living God, and you confess that he came here because God so loved the world to save you from all your sins, 
all humanity, the good, bad, and the ugly, before you ever knew them, on, the, on your worst day ever, you get this plan. We just sang the reckless love of God. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Yet, yet, he comes and he makes that way for me. Breakthrough, salvation plan, destiny plan. You're enrolled in heaven. Your name is in the enrollment books. You're in the book of life. There is a book called the book of life. I don't know how, but it doesn't say books of life. It says book. Now, there's other books, but think about this. If there's a book of life, how gigantic is this book? Because it's got every person, every person that was never named, every stillborn little spirit that went to heaven, if, if a baby died, you know, you know, miscarriages, those little spirits, because the spirit gives life. I don't care what they tell you out there about when a fetus is a human being. The word of God tells me that the spirit gives life. And don't tell me any mother doesn't feel life in the womb when there's consummation. Before the first flutters of movement. So all these little ones, all these that were named by Jesus. They're in this gigantic book of life. Who's going to open that book? Wow. Amazing. (coughs) Okay. Let's go to Revelation. Let's look again. Let's look again. We're going to look into that third heavenly realm, the courts of heaven. This is a scene that John... The beloved, one of the apostles, one that was very close to Jesus, says, it tells us in the word of God that sometimes he'd just, he'd just go and lay his head on his shoulder just, just to be close and just to be with him before he went. John was taken into the realm of the Spirit, and he was given these visions. And here's what John said in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, but no, no place was found from them. This is such an intense scene. It is so holy. It is so gigantic that you, you wanted to step back because it was just so holy. You were like... I. The pure light of this experience is overwhelming me. It says the nations and the people tried to come back from it. It was so intense. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up its dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, everyone, according to their deeds. And then in verse 15 it says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. So we want to have our name (laughs) written in the book of life. Come on. And if you've received Jesus Christ, your name is written in the book of life. You don't have to fear that because we've got reckless love when you make that decision coming after you. We've got reckless love chasing you down when you try to wander. We've got reckless love from a God who pursues you without fail to lay hold of you. You might get distracted. You might not think about him. You might not read your Bible for a week or two or a month, a year. I don't know what your MO is, but he does, and he's coming after you. He's going to lay hold of your heart, and he's going to flood you with his plan and his destiny that he's written in the book. So again, we are seeing a story now that is at the very end of time. 
we're talking about there's been a resurrection of the dead. We're told about this story in other places. But this is a scene in the courts of heaven at the end of time, at the final judgment time, when God comes and everything is reconciled. Who's your daddy? Come on. Who's your daddy? It better be Abba. It better be Abba. Who's the judge? Here comes the judge. And this is when it happens. This is like, this is such an awesome moment. That's why I told you earlier. And it says in the nations, he's judging the nations here. He's judging the peoples. And they're like, oh my gosh, is there any way we can... Some of them might have been like, let's hide. There's, but there was no place to go. You couldn't get out of it this time. No place to run. So run to him, kids. Run to him in these days. God's plan for you, his heart toward you. Luke 15, and now we're going to share here. I want you to read this. We sang about this today in the last song. Luke 15, Luke, we talked about this recently, or it's been on my mind. When we went to Israel, we went to Caesarea, and outside the remainder of that city are some statues. Um, Some were, you know, false idol statues, but there was one little statue there. And it stood about, I'd say this tall, wouldn't you guys say? It was on a platform, so, so if it was on the ground, it might only be that big. It was carved out of marble of some sort, but it had been broken when it was unearthed from an earthquake. Who knows? It was a statue. We tried to find the picture and couldn't find it. It was a statue of a shepherd boy, a young boy, and he was standing there, and he had a sheep around his shoulders. It was around his neck. He was wearing it like a stole, you know, like a big, huge scarf. It was a sheep. His legs were hanging down on this side, his little back. Some of you have had a dog or a cat come and hang around your neck like that, right? And he was carrying the sheep. I want you to keep that picture in mind as we read this story. Chapter 15, verse 1. I've renamed this chapter. My Bible said, what does it say? My Bible said, um, the lost sheep. No, I'm renaming it. The reckless love of God pursues. The reckless love of God pursues. Verse 1. Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Okay, let's just break that down. Tax gatherers aren't good. You guys are getting ready to pay your taxes. You really don't want to go down to the IRS, do you? Come on. It's the same. It's the same stigma uh, 2,000 years from the time when Jesus was there. So he's hanging out with the bad guys that are working for Rome, and he's got a bunch of sinners that are hanging around him. The Pharisees don't hang out with the sinners, right? Those people are way beneath them. They don't have anything to do with them. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and he even eats with them. And he told this parable, saying, this is Jesus' words now. If you're reading in your Bible and you're new to your Bible, and you have words in red, and you didn't know what words in red meant, it means those are the words of Jesus. If you're having a bad day, and you get your Bible, and you've got one, get, I, I recommend you get one with the words of red, the, the words of Jesus in red. Just read what Jesus had to say. You know, just, just do it. On a day when you're trying to figure out what chapter you're in, in your book. And this is what Jesus said. Now he says, now look, what man among you, if he had a hundred sheep and lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine 
in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, like I said, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Jesus said, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And that's what he's talking to sinners. He's telling them all. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous ones, persons who don't need repentance. Wow. Then as if you didn't get that picture story, he goes on to tell another one. He says, or what woman, if she has silver coins, ten silver coins, and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me! I found the coin which I, which I lost. Jesus says, In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And we are saved, yet we need repentance because... Our bodies continue to sin. Our spirit man doesn't, but our bodies do. That's us. Now let me bring it to you. Let me talk about our times. Lonnie and I have had many times when we've lost something and we couldn't find it. We were going crazy. What about your glasses? His was glasses. We would look for an hour and 45 minutes. We went through the trash cans in our house. We, he was ready to go to the dumpster and pull out a few we'd, we'd, we'd thrown in there earlier that were buried in their other trash that had come out there. I mean, we're pulling out the garbage. We're looking for the glasses. He can't see without his glasses. Oh, it was going to be terrible. He can't drive without his glasses. I would have had to drive. You men understand how important it was for him to find his glasses. Come on. What about you when your phone comes up missing? and you forgot to turn it off, and nobody can call it to find out where it is. Or you know that the charger was off, and it's not going to give you a signal. What do you do when you finally, you're asking everybody, have you seen my phone? Have you seen my glasses? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? See there? See there? We misplace things. We don't know what we're doing. But we, we don't even remember it. And then we're, we're crazy, mad women and men. And when we find it, what do we do? We just want to shout. You know, I tell my friends, I text them, I found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. And this is what's going on in heaven. The angels are saying, he found them. He found them. He found them. He got them. They repented. Heaven celebrating. He found them, the reckless love. He went in the deep sea. He went into the water. He went everywhere. He went into the garbage dump to find you. He went wherever he needed to go. He wasn't afraid of the garbage and the, and the things he was going to encounter there because his reckless love came to get you so he could finish and have you fulfill the destiny written in the book that he's written about you, about you, reckless love that pursues. Nothing will hold it back. Nothing's too wide. Nothing's too deep. Nothing's too high. Nothing's too low. His love pursues and pursues and pursues, and it won't take no for an answer. Reckless love. The reckless love of God. The reckless love of God. I love it. God loves to pursue you. He loves it. Amen. Love is his motivation, not judgment. 
He will be playing judge as we saw that scene. He is the judge. And you need verdicts along the way that are in your favor. You don't have to fear the judge. You can come before the judge by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to fear it because the blood of Jesus will cancel out, if you repent, will cancel out every any scheme, every accusation that the enemy has about you, every curse that's been thrown your way, everything anybody said about you, any negative word of judgment, every, even the words coming out of your own mouth, even the words out of your mouth comes blessings and curses, and sometimes you curse. You can curse yourself. Repent. The blood of Jesus comes. And the judge says, aha, oh, I see the blood. Uh, sorry, old uh, Satan, but I'm going to rule. I'm going to make a verdict in favor of this one because I see the blood. And they got a job to do. And they're walking this out. And we're going to be doing it together. They know I love them. They're not afraid of me anymore. In fact, when stuff is tough or they've sinned, they come running to me now. They come running to me now so they can get clean. They know what it's like to take a shower in the blood of Jesus and be sprinkled clean and washed and get that stuff off of them. They love me. I'm their father. I'm their daddy. I'm their Abba. I'm their friend. And I am their judge, who by the blood will rule in their favor. I am for them. He is for you. God is on your side. God is on your side. His love to us, and when we receive him, his love in us. In us. It's it's not like a cream I put on my body. It's not a topical love. His love comes in. It gets inside every cell of your being, every thought in your mind. It gets in every motivation of your heart. And it cleanses. And it makes new. And it makes new. And it sends you forth. I'm loving his word this morning. Are you loving his word? Tell somebody next to you that God loves you. He's recklessly loving you and pursuing you. The Word of God says that they, those people out there in the world are going to know us by our love. And so when we let this love come in, it starts changing our love. It starts perfecting it. We don't need our love. It was never good enough. We need to receive the love of God, and then we can love like God. It's not mystical. It happens if we let him in. And now we come to the end of our text, to John, First John. Chapter 4, I love all this word today, Lord. We're, we're not living by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of your mouth today, Father. We are getting a big, big, big Valentine Day supper today. Come on, we've got a banqueting table going on here. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you love, it's because you're born of him. Your old love, your self-love, it doesn't work. It won't make the grade. Vermont sells maple syrup. We got different kind of grades. And the A grade is the most expensive. Your love is not grade A. But God's love is perfect. And it supersedes these grade levels. It just is. It's perfection personified. God is love. Let's take it past God loves you, but God is love. Somebody say, God is love. He is love. He is love. Say, the reason I'm having you say it out loud is that you declare it. The reason is you're declaring it. We're declaring it in this, it's the word from heaven on earth. I don't have to question it. That's just what he is. He is love. 
God is love. The one who does not have love, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. Manifested. Manifested. That means came to be. It pierced. It wasn't topical. It came inside of us, and it grew, and it manifested, and it was clear. It was clear that something had changed. Love came and began to live in us. That God has sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into the world so that we might live through him. Through him. Living with him and through him. I can live with him and through him. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us first. Come on. And he sent his son to be the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So now John's telling us it can't just be this. Oh, I love God. He loves me. But the rest of that body of Christ, I can't handle them. We've got some peculiar people around here. Have you ever taken a look around this church? Somebody mentioned that. Have you ever, have you ever noticed the kind of people that come to our church? Somebody actually said that to me. That, that, you know, some are peculiar. I go, yeah, and I'm, I'm first among those peculiar ones. Come on. We're peculiar. I'm getting more peculiar by the day, by the minute, by the second. Yeah, let them let talk about me. Beloved, we ought to also love one another. No one has beheld God at any time in the ways we've been talking about this morning. But if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. He lives in here. It's manifested. It's his love. And when that thing is manifesting, there's nothing... God just doesn't find a corner of your heart to manifest in. Come on. He's all-consuming. It says he's an all-consuming fire. I want the fiery love of God in my heart. I want that manifestation. I want to see the fiery river that was around God and the fiery flames that were on his throw and the river that was running from the stone and the wheels of fire twirling and, and all the atoms and everything that God controls and deals with. And he doesn't even have to think about it. It just is because he's almighty. And I want that kind of fiery love that's in my spirit and in my mind and in my heart. And I want that thing to be just like churning and flaming and firing and burning up anything that's less than God's love. I want the all-consuming fire of his fiery love in my heart that consumes anything that's less than perfect love. Don't you? I want that. You want to love your wife that way. And you want her to love you that way, don't you? Yeah. We've got, we've got an engaged couple in our midst they're going to be getting married. They're thinking about love. They're thinking about what are they going to say to each other next Wednesday on Valentine's Day. I mean, we're talking love, love, love. But we don't want to give them our stuff. We want the fiery, perfect love of God that's going to help, that I can give to them, and it's going to perfect them. And it's going to see increase in their life. And they're going to give it to me, and it's going to change me. He said they will know us by our love for one another. I'm almost done, kids. Almost done. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God and God abides in him, and he in God. I love that. Verse 17, by this, love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. 
We're going back to that scene we read earlier at the end of time as we've known it on earth to that point, to the time of a new age without end. We don't have to be afraid. By this, love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We love. So as I close, I want to say this. If you've made, if you've surrendered your life and you've made a commitment to Christ and you've asked him to come in, we know these books are in heaven. We're going to go after this. We're going to pursue the love books. He said, I have a plan for you. And it's not, for, it's not bad stuff. I have good stuff planned for you. It's a plan that you're going to like. It's a plan you're going to enjoy. It's a plan that's going to perfect you and bring you right into where I wanted to use you in heaven, bringing things of my kingdom on earth. Amen? If you've decided for Christ, then you've decided to love like he does. Come on. You can love like he does. Your love going to become reckless? When you start getting reckless love inside of you, it starts hunting things down. It starts churning up evangelism. It starts making you want to go to somebody that you know doesn't know God and doesn't know the love of God. It makes you want to go to them and tell them about the love of God. You'll get reckless yourself. There's no fear in it because it's perfecting you, and now you're not afraid of judgment that's going to come from them. Earlier we talked about the judgment from God, but then you're not afraid of the judgment that comes from somebody when you're trying to tell them about the love of God and that Jesus Christ is real and he is the Son of God and he wants to come and love on you. You're ready to share what you found. You're ready to share that you go to this church where there's a bunch of peculiar people. If you're on Facebook, you guys all should have checked in. So they know that you've been to Praise Chapel today. You ought to be checking in every Sunday when you get here. So there's a lot of buzz. And there's like, hey, these people from Praise Chapel are checking in. We can tell them, well, what are we checking about? Then, then, then say something else. Hey, man, the, perfect, the reckless love of God was in our midst today. I was wrecked by it. I was wrecked by the love of God. People were changed. People were set free. The reckless love of God is manifesting here. My love is no longer selfish when that's happening. It's no longer wanting gain from you. It's no longer about me do something for you and you do something for me. And I hope yours, you do a little something bigger for me than I did for you, just because that's the way I roll, because I'm self-centered. You know, you know, we don't have that motivation anymore. We're ready to lay our lives down. We're ready to go down in the trash barrels to find somebody who's lost. Come on. We're ready to dig wherever it has to be. And when it happens, and when it happens, there's rejoicing in heavens like no bigger times when somebody just, one of us, repents. How awesome is that? The reckless love of God. We love. Your love is kind. Your love is kind. Your love casts out all fear in people. Amen? Because it's God's kind's. The greatest commandment is to love. I close with this. Some guy came up to Jesus. And he says, um, Jesus, what are, we've got all these commandments. We've got the Ten Commandments that Moses gave us. And we've got all these hundreds of other commandments that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, you know, they, they, the priests have given us. Which one of these commandments is the most important? That was the question that they asked Jesus. I'm giving you a second to think about what you might have said. You know, we might go, well, you shouldn't kill somebody. Well, you shouldn't cheat on your wife. You know, it's not good to lie. But this is what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this right now. The greatest commandment 
is for you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and your mind, your thoughts, your affections, your heart. And there's another commandment just like it. He gave them two. He said they run side by side. He said it's just as important, just like it. And he said that you will love your neighbor as yourself. The same way you're loving on God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with your thoughts, that you will love your neighbor And then he solidified it, and he said, because on these two commands, all the prophets that have prophesied and all the laws that have been written up to this time are fulfilled. That is a powerful commodity. That is a powerful action. So, It's not just between you and God. It must be vertical. And as I did this, you see the cross. Amen? The cross of Christ. And we we lay our lives down to love one another. Are you excited? I bless you all. I bless you all. I bless you all. Give the Lord a hand for his reckless love. He's awesome. I bless you all. May this word be sealed to your body, soul, and spirit, and may it increase exponentially for you now. May it be sealed to you and increase exponentially in the days ahead. And then don't everybody attack those two over there to go see that baby. Okay? We love you.